Are you a big fan of podcasts? Are you looking for a way to support the Different Stripes podcast? Go to stitcher.com slash premium and sign up for Stitcher Premium today. It's only $4.99 a month. And if you use our promo code warriors at checkout, you can get one month free on us. With Stitcher Premium, you get access to ad-free episodes, exclusive shows from Stitcher, and comedy albums from the biggest comedians like Ali Wong, Patton Oswalt, and more. Try Stitcher Premium today and support the Different Stripes podcast at the same time. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Different Stripes podcast. Um, my name is Bennett, and uh, not sure how or what we want to do with this platform, but I'm still very honored and excited to be able to kind of figure out what I would like or what we would like to do with this platform. And I thought, who better to have on this inaugural podcast than the godfather himself? Uh, you know him from the the genesis of Fighting Stripes, formerly of the Tavern Tegu Warriors podcast, and also on the new 1-2 pod episodes. Um, Michael, thank you for joining me. I am... Full disclosure, a little nervous to be uh, doing this, but uh, I appreciate you coming on and kind of guiding me through uh, this first episode. How are you, you feeling? I'm good, and I'm just, you know, here to be supportive and here to, yeah, just be a listening board and someone that you can talk to about these types of things that you want to talk about. I think I heard the episode that you did with Kevin, and I was like, I got to jump on that podcast. <laughs> I got to make this a podcast. I got to make sure that there's more of this. So I just feel like we should get into it. Right, Bennett? Of course. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. And like, we don't know. We don't really have a, I mean, maybe you always, you're always good at brainstorming ideas about the long-term plan and goals for these kind of things. I don't really have a long-term goal for this, but at the very least, if it's just something that we can kind of talk and have good conversations that we already have. Um, and just to kind of have it recorded because it sounded like what you were saying, our conversation or my conversation with Kevin, um, ended up being, um, pretty relatable for a couple of people. And I thought that was really cool because, uh, I didn't, didn't, and was not expecting that, that reaction. So, um, I think the reason why we thought it would be so good to have each other as a conversation is because we are both half Korean and I think Inherently with that, we might have some similar experiences, um, whether it was growing up or how you see yourself now in the lens of other Koreans or just living in America and growing up in America. So I think that's kind of the lens that I wanted to talk to you, Michael. Um, and I think there's no other better way than to maybe talk about uh, your upbringing and um, kind of where you come from, uh, where did you grow up? I mean, I don't, you don't have to dox yourself, obviously, or anything to that degree. But uh, maybe, like, what was your experience growing up? Where, what side of the families half? I, I always like, think that's a good question to start out with people that are half Korean like myself. What side, what side is Korean for you? Like you, Ben, my mom is Korean. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's the best side. Yep. So, um yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I was born in Chicago, so my, my mom's whole family is here, but we actually moved out to New Jersey for my dad's work, and I think we were pretty lucky in that my siblings and I, we did grow up in a town where there was a you know pretty decent Asian community. Um, I wouldn't say that there was like a lot of Koreans around. Mm -hmm. We yeah. lived in the part of New Jersey that was more 
like Chinese American based or like people from Taiwan as well. But I do remember that like my mom had family friends that were Korean. And I think that that was really interesting for me because I feel like that was sort of how I started to know I was Korean, like hanging out with my Korean friends. Yeah. Yeah. And um, did you feel maybe an association with maybe the the Chinese people that were in New Jersey just because they were the people that you were surrounded by? I mean, are we talking about um, a pretty diverse area in New Jersey that you grew up in um, where the reason why I'm asking is because sometimes I get lumped into groups of just Asians in general and then trying to carve out Koreans specifically is kind of difficult. So I think my, what I'm trying to ask is when you were in New Jersey and you said you learned kind of what it was to be Korean by hanging out with um, Korean family friends, um, did you find that to be difficult if you were not surrounded by Korean people and just Asian people? Did you find that that was something that you could still associate with? Or did you feel kind of out of place even in that setting when maybe there were Asians, but not specifically Koreans? I think yes. Like, I feel like a lot of the times, like, I mean, there were a lot of white people in my town and there were also like a lot of, you know, just general Asians for sure. So I would say like Koreans were probably the smallest amount of Asians in our town. So I think like it would be either like people would think I was white or people would be like not sure like if I was Asian or not. So like they might lump me in there. But I think like I would end up just sort of like knowing the most about being Korean if I was like around my Korean friends. So like my best friend in elementary school was Korean. And so I would like go over to his house and he would be using a lot of Korean terms. And I would hear the same terms that like my mom would talk to her mom about. So that was sort of like where I was like, oh, okay, like this person is Korean and like I'm also like that because I hear those things at my house too. Nice. It It was something that you could find common ground with and you kind of gravitated towards that. Maybe as like, did you think, did you find that maybe comforting that you went to a different environment and you found these similarities to maybe what you were hearing at home? I mean, the food was the same, but then I also found out that I was different too, because sure. this was really interesting. Um, this was like one of my most vivid memories of my friend. Um, he had two younger sisters and so they would always be calling him Opa. And I would always be like, well, what does that mean? And he's like, oh, that's what they're supposed to call me like that. I'm their older brother. Yeah. And then he was like, don't you call like your brother that like something or don't you call your sister something like that? And I was like, no, we don't do that. We just call our, call each other like our names. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. no, that's not what we do. And so it's really interesting because I was like, oh, like, why don't I do that? Even if I'm <laughs> Korean, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever have that experience? No, see, I, I'm very much um, very little exposure to um, Korean culture growing up. It just was not emphasized. Um from my mom and her side of the family. And also, uh, we were not living close to extended family, so it really was just my mom. And um, she didn't really grow up with it being pushed on her very heavily. Um, So the idea of an OPA was not something that I learned until adulthood and college. Um, I mean, that that shows how little exposure I had. Um, But that is funny where you can find kind of varying degrees where you find commonalities with this elementary school, grade school friend, but then you're finding these kind of nuances where you feel like, well, why are they doing that? And why don't I do that? Um, But yeah, I I don't think I explicitly speaking, I did not have that kind of um, exposure 
Um, I I told Kevin this too. It's like a lot of this stuff is finding kind of in hindsight about a lot of this stuff. Um, So that's why I kind of like talking about it now is because I'm still kind of feel like I'm in like my infancy with kind of learning about a lot of this stuff. Um, Now, did you, I thought it was interesting when you were talking, Michael, about how like, well, people may maybe not even assume that I was Korean when I looked, when they looked at me. Um, Now, I, I think I have some pretty strong Asian features. um, But when you were describing that, I thought of my sister, my younger sister, who doesn't have as strong as features. And she will get asked a lot about whether or not she even is Asian or Korean. And she described it as like, I can kind of pick and choose when I want to be Korean based on that. Um, and I was going to ask you, is that something that you have had um, difficulties with or something that you were self-aware about? And that was that something that people ask you a lot about? I find oftentimes that people won't explicitly ask those kind of questions a lot of the time. Um, so I, I was curious as to if you got like kind of blunt questions about that kind of stuff growing up. I don't think I got like questions like that, but I feel like the thing that like maybe would like stick in my mind the most is if someone would be like, I'm trying to tell them that I'm Asian or I'm Korean and then they don't believe it. Like, especially like it might happen with like Asian people where they're like, oh no, you just look like white. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, but that's not what I'm saying though. And I think that like that would be the ones that would like hurt the most where I'd be like, wait, I'm telling you my mom's Korean. Like, I'm telling you I'm I'm Korean, I'm Asian. And you're just telling me I look like a white person. Like, that's a little bit odd to me. And I would, I think like those stuck with me where I was like, like, why would you say that to me? Right. So it's not even the initial inquiry. It's the fact that they're pushing back against you when you were telling them that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's funny. I don't want to say I've had the opposite experience. Um but I do find, at least in my personal experience, it would be like I would have to tell people that I am half rather than because I kind of grew up in an area that didn't have a lot of um, Asians, period, let alone um, Koreans. So I was very much kind of like the token Asian kid. So the idea that I was even half Asian wasn't really even considered. I was kind of just lumped into that group. Um, and yeah, I... <laughs> I think as we're talking, I'm like struggling to think of maybe follow up questions here, how to guide the conversation, because it is something that like, I'm still actively kind of, kind of grappling with. And I know buzzword of like identity is kind of like easy to, to kind of throw out there. But um, I think it is important as least to how I shape myself and made my self-esteem, but have you ever felt any um, inklings or was there, did you have like an epiphany, Michael, about when you felt self-assured about your identity? It sounded like you had enough exposure growing up that you were pretty comfortable as far as distinguishing yourself and who you were. Were there any times that you felt, or I guess to reiterate what I was trying to say earlier is that did you have kind of like an epiphany where you kind of grappled with your identity as being half Korean and distinguishing that from being 100% or is that something that you weren't even even really worried about to begin with? I think I knew that like I was more friends with Asian people yeah. and I knew that I got along with them a lot more often, especially like middle school or high school. 
I just ended up like in the Asian group of friends rather than like with friends that were mostly white or like our town had a lot, had a large Jewish community. And I wasn't really part of like, like some of my friends were Jewish, of course, but like I noticed like around middle school, I was like, wow, like most of my friends are Asian. Like I must be somewhat Asian. Like that must be part of who I am. And then I think I started thinking about like being half and like being proud of it when I met other people that were half. I see. And, and so it was really that... interesting. Like I, I played music as a kid yeah, and I ended up like being able to meet other half Koreans or like other half Chinese people. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is really cool. Like finally there are people like me, obviously like the other thing that like, I feel like really helped me is that our cousins on my mom's side are half too. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think that like that probably like just overall, like helped us to have like this identity of like, yeah, we're mixed culture kids. We are not necessarily white. We're not necessarily Korean. We're a little bit of both. And that's okay because like our cousins are, you know, one of my cousins, like they're half Korean, half Vietnamese. So they're like a little bit of, they're a little bit more Asian and then another right. another like There's family another is half yeah. Korean, half Chilean. So they're like, they look, you know, a little bit different to us. I think we sort of like got used to it. But then like, I sort of like really started to embrace it when I was like, oh, I'm going to music school. And like, now I have friends like where I grew up that are, that are half too. And so I think that was like really interesting to me. And like, that was like sort of the epiphany where I was like, okay, this is who I am. So music school. Okay. And then, so was your family and your cousins, were they also in New Jersey with you too? Were they in that No. So we proximity? saw them like, we saw them about like once or twice a year because they stayed back in Chicago. I see. So like now I see them more, but back then I think I would see them like on vacations. So yeah. So you would only see them occasionally. You're probably not seeing them day to day in New Jersey. Um, I guess I want to ask maybe more specifically about music school then. So did you find that before music school, you weren't really gravitating towards kind of a, a group of friends that were Asian and then only until you got to music school is when you started gravitating towards that. Is that kind of what you were saying or was that kind of present in both areas before you went to music school? I feel like it's interesting. Like obviously like a lot of my, the students at my cello teachers, like, that she had, they were Asian as well. Yeah. So I feel like there was always that element, but like in elementary elementary school, like I think I lived in a more white neighborhood of my town. So like okay. our, there were like five elementary schools in my town. And I think I went to like a little bit more of a majority white one than a majority Asian one. But then it was like, when I got to middle school and high school, it all came together. And so I had an opportunity to see like more of the Asian students in the town. And I think that's sort of like when I changed it. I see. I see. And is there, I keep like kind of fixating on this. I'm sorry, but was it kind of like a, did you think there was like a subconscious thing about wanting to gravitate towards that group of people just because they might look like you? Or was that just kind of coincidental of the environment that you were in? And because you had this commonality with the music, that was probably a stronger reason why you were hanging out with them. No, I definitely think that like it's it had to be like something like where I gravitated towards them because I think like yeah, I think it's I definitely like had much more exposure 
over time to like Asian people. So whether it was like going to cello lessons or seeing my cousins or whatever, eventually I was just sort of like starting to have that kind of exposure. And it could even be like, yeah, like for my, my siblings, like they may have had different exposures, but for me, like I always just like saw myself that way. And I think like I made decisions like consciously around that. Okay. So, so more of a conscious effort. It wasn't just maybe a subconscious thing. That's interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, I like hearing about that kind of stuff because I didn't feel like I had that opportunity growing up to be able to be exposed to those different kinds of groups in the areas that I grew up in. Um, and I actually found it pretty difficult. The reason why I was asking about like, did you find yourself gravitating towards them because they were Asian? Um, it's that's because when I was growing up and there were, if there were a couple Asian people and maybe there were two Koreans maybe in my grade or whatever, I would kind of feel an obligation to um, talk to them. And I wouldn't say I was like friends with them, but whenever I would talk to them, it would, that would kind of be the center of the discussion. Like, oh yeah, you're half Korean. Yeah, I'm half Korean. I mean, I could think of two people in particular that they, they were both half Korean. Um, and they were nice enough guys, but I, I wouldn't describe myself as close friends with them. I just kind of felt like I the only reason why I even knew them in the first place is because they were they were half Korean. And to me, that felt like, well, that's kind of like the wrong reason to even be acquaintances with them in the first place is just because they're half Korean. And I found that kind of difficult to grapple with because I'm always thinking like, well, I want to hang out with people that look like me um, and I don't have to be uh, a token or I don't have to be the monolith of the Asian experience in every single social situation. If I was maybe around other people that looked like me, I wouldn't have to be that. But then when I try and do that, then it's kind of like, well, the only thing we have in common is the way we look. And I think it's nice where you were saying, well, yeah, I mean, I, like, I look like these people, but I, we also all play music together. And that was like a common thing that we all had together and we all liked. So I think that's a cool experience that you had and that you were able to be exposed to that. So um, how long were you in New Jersey till? And then, so what was the transition back to Chicago? Was that a, a premeditated thing on your part? So I was out there like all through high school and then I went to college at Michigan. But I think like one thing that like I thought we could talk about that like might be interesting is like, yeah. how did we both decide to learn learn Korean in college? Yeah. Yeah. You're saying learn uh, very loosely on my behalf. I only took one year, my freshman year and God forbid my language skills are are atrocious, but um, yeah. Wait, so you went to Ann Arbor, Michigan, University of Michigan, Mm -hmm. Ann Arbor. No way. You're a Wolverine. Yes, I am. Michael, I had no idea. Um, Well, I can't say I respect you more for it. I uh, obviously big rivals with Wisconsin and football, Um, but I'm I'm kidding, obviously. That's that's a that's a fantastic school. It's one of like the best public schools in the country. Um, yeah. So then, I guess I would explicitly ask then. So did you take Korean in college then in Ann Arbor? I didn't know this. So this is like I, I feel like this is like a story like I wanted to tell you or like I wanted to bring to the podcast. Um, yeah, that's so, exciting. Um, when I was like, must have been like 13 or 14 ish, we had a family reunion where like my grandma's family that still lived in Korea, a lot of them flew over and that included my great grandmother. And so we like, 
we were all in Chicago, like on holidays and we rented out like, you know, a banquet room of like one of these restaurants. Right. And there were two tables. There was like, you know, the tables of like, you know, kids and like family that lived in the U S and then obviously like the Korean family that came over. Right. And like, I remember like just sitting at the table, like with my cousins and like, you know, my mom's cousins and whatever that all live in the States. And we're all just talking in English and like having a good time. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. like, you know, we're just talking about normal stuff. Yep. And then I'm like thinking like, Oh, these people that flew all the way across the world to like, you know, do this. Like I can't talk to any of them. <laughs> and so like my, my grandpa is just like, you know, like laughing it up with his, with his family. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this sounds really interesting. Like, I wonder what they're talking about. Yeah. And so I'm like asking family members and then they're just like, oh, you know, they're like having a good time talking about stuff. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. And so um, that was sort of like one of the memories where I was like, okay, like one day, like I'm going to learn how to speak Korean so I can like actually meet these people and get to know them. And so when I applied to college, I was like, I'm not going to apply to colleges that don't have a Korean language program. Wow. So Michigan was like one of them where I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it, it has a Korean language program. I'll, I'll be able to take the classes while I'm there. So I sort of had like co colleges on that type of list where I was like, OK, like, I hope you have a Korean language program that I can study in. Yeah. Yeah. Were there other colleges that, that were in, that you were seriously considering besides Michigan? I mean, I was considering like I, I definitely came from like a really um, high-achieving academic yeah. Yeah, like East Coast stuff. But I think like, Ivy League, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like looking at those types of schools and I like definitely like looked into their course catalog. And I was like, do you have Korean language classes? If you don't, you're out type of thing. <laughs> and I ended up going to Michigan and it was just really good. Like I was able to do all four years because of it. Like I was able to like do my language classes there and study you abroad. Did four because years? I took, I took a class in Korean all four years. Wow. See, I, I think mean, you're like, selling yourself short. Grade. I did not I did not have that near of experience. I think you're selling yourself short. Damn. Well, That's incredible. I mean I mean, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> so there was some capacity of Korean every single year. The reason why I kind of bailed out personally speaking is that when I took it freshman year, it was a five-day commitment. You know, there was three days of lectures, two days of discussion, and um that was a time where I was, you know, a naive little 18 year old. I kind of wanted to do the stuff that didn't require the most work. And um, I ended up being uh, a history major, mostly just because I found that those classes to be easiest for me to get good grades on. So I kind of regret not being able to do maybe one more year of it. But, you know, in hindsight, it's such a stupid reason to not continue to do it. I was kind of like, I just don't want the five day commitment of it. Um, but I think if I would have had an experience like you where you're like, well, look at the sacrifice these family members made to come all the way across the world to come see me. And then I'm not able to communicate with them. I could definitely see that as being like a, a molding or um, important experience. Um, OK, so then you take some kind of Korean every four years. You get like I mean, I don't know what the requirements are for like a minor or whatever or major or whatever. Is that something that you. Because you said it was something that you were deciding on which kind of college you were going to go to, right? Um, did you do anything besides take classes? Did you was there something beyond that that you wanted out of it? Do you feel like you got what you were looking for by taking those classes? I mean, so I ended up like doing like a English, Asian languages and cultures minor. So I ended up like taking some like 
Korean history courses. I took like Korean literature. Um, I think, yeah, no, I got out of it what I wanted to. I think I wanted to learn like what Korea was as a country. Yeah. Because like we ate the food, obviously like we watched the soccer team and stuff like that, but we didn't know like what kind of world it was like or like how it had gotten to be what it was. So I think like, I remember going to Korea to study abroad and like taking a Korean history course and just like being, yeah, pretty like mind blown about like, wow, like this country was created like because of this, 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 and like all these different things happened in the past that were really interesting. And I was like, okay, like now I feel like I know a little bit about like what it's like to be Korean and all of the struggles that like sort of came through being Korean. So I think that like that was kind of important to me. And so where did you study abroad in Korea? Do you know Yonsei? Yeah. Does it have like a blue logo? It's got like yes, a blue Yes, it does. Shirt. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the few colleges that I actually got to visit actually was Yonsei University. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um yeah, it's like near near Hongdae. In yeah, Korea. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was really nice. The campus was really, really nice, I remember. Yeah, so it was like one of the ones that we were able to study abroad at. And so I just sort of went there for like four four months. And like, yeah, it was a really good experience. And it was really good to, you know, have Korean history like taught by Korean professors, which I thought was really awesome. Now, did you have any, um, did you have a difficult learning curve with being able to communicate when you went over there? I'm not sure what the language skills were like when you went over there. Um, and I'm fascinated to hear if you found that your language skills um, improved rapidly compared to when you were learning in Ann Arbor versus when you actually went to Yonsei. Did you find that um, your skills were um, improved dramatically when you went there? Because I think that, like, obviously, like, I had had at that point a year and a half of, yeah, so it was like my sophomore year, second semester. Yeah. So I'd had a year and a half of the classes. And I think like when I got there, I felt like I was ahead of the people that were placed in like my, my class or like that there are meeting in the international dorm. So I was like, Oh, like I can like help them out with like getting around the city or like we can go shopping together and I can like tell them what they're doing. Right. Yeah. So I felt like I was in a good position. Um, and I definitely did think that like I got a lot better and like the classes were really good. And so I think that like, what was like more interesting for me was like getting off the plane and being like, okay, everything in here is going to be Korean. Everyone <laughs> is going to be Korean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, everyone's going to look somewhat like what I imagine like people from my family look like. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a culture So shock. it was like super, super interesting. Like, but I remember like I had feelings of like, Ooh, like this is a totally new place that I get to explore and it's like totally different from everywhere that I've been in the U.S. Yeah, of course. That's... So I just thought it was fascinating. And I mean, I'm so jealous. I uh, I think I probably could have took out a loan to go do study abroad for a semester. I just was um, I had never been outside the country until about maybe five years ago. Um, so I was a little apprehensive to just kind of pack my bags up and go across the world. 
Um, but if it was ever going to be a place that it was definitely going to be Korea, there was actually funny enough. Have you heard of Iwa University? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like right the, close by. Yeah, the all. I was going to ask that actually because I remember on the same day I saw Iwa, I saw Yonsei, and I wasn't remembering it my geographic locations correctly if they were close together. So I'm glad I remember that correctly if they were generally in the same vicinity. Um, I thought it was funny though, selfishly speaking, because Iwa was an all girls school, and I was like, they had a program that I still could have gone over there and studied there. I'm like, oh, well, there's going to be a bunch of girls there. That'd be kind of a cool situation. Um, but what, what was I, I going to say? Um, oh, yeah, your living situation. So did you live with other people from the States when you were there? Did you live with the host family? Um, so it's really interesting. They have an international dorm, oh, but okay. Korean students can, like, live there. Um, but it was really interesting. Like, the Korean student that I lived with, like, he was, like, super, super, super like study heavy and so then like eventually like yeah so like eventually (laughs) like halfway through the semester he actually like moves to like uh like one of those like goshiwan type of things like where you're like just study because i think like he was just like not interested in having a roommate so i was like okay well that that's great but um like we weren't we weren't close at all but uh, there were like a lot of um international students like from from california that came abroad Cool. Um, no Michigan students, unfortunately, but I, mean, I can't complain. I got to say, I say it sarcastically. I'm shocked that your roommate in Korea was study first. I am shocked by that. Um, uh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, there's so many questions and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not jealous of you, Michael, but some of the experiences that you were able to have, I think are, are really, really cool. Um, and I'm just trying to think of like what the right question is. Cause I mean, I could just ask stupid things about like, Oh, well, what was your favorite meal when you went to Korea or what was your favorite hangout spot in, in Yonsei? I'm trying to think of a, maybe a more layered question besides that, but I, I'm kind of failing myself here. Is there something that maybe you notice culturally or something that maybe surprised you? Cause I know you were saying that you were anticipating a culture shock when you were, went over there. But is there something that you weren't anticipating and maybe was more prevalent than you were expecting that you can, that came as a shock to you? Is there anything that kind of stands out as you kind of look back on that experience? I think like, well, this is something that like I, I want to ask you about if, if this has happened to you. Sure. Have you ever been like asked by a Korean person like, like if you are half Korean, like that happened to me a lot in Korea, actually, like where people will be like talking to me and they'd be like, wow, your Korean is really good. Like, are you Korean? Has that ever happened to you? I think people just straight up don't. Uh, I think as soon as I open my mouth and they know that I have no language skills, I think they don't really consider me uh, to be uh, Korean. So maybe that specifically half doesn't really happen to me. Um, that's interesting. I think that's a classic line. It's like, wow, your Korean's really good which implies that they weren't expecting anything out of you in the first place. Um, I think that's kind of like the classic line where it's like, oh, yeah, I, oh, wow, I'm, I'm impressed that it's that good. Um, yeah, what was your response to that then? So what would you say? So I would usually just like end up saying like, oh, yeah, my mom is Korean. Like, and then they would sort of like ask fascinated questions about that. Like, yeah. oh, like what was that like? Like, oh, you're like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're just your mom is Korean. Like, what about your dad? And like, sometimes it would go from there. But overall, like the way that I would always respond and I was always just be like, yeah, no, I am Korean. Like my mom is Korean. And then like, 
you know, you would just sort of go from there and see where the conversation went. But like, it, that was something that like, I wasn't really expecting. So I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. I think it's Hyun Hyul. I think. Ooh, do you want me to teach you? Please. Okay. Hon Hyul. Hon Hyul. So yeah. I wanted to ask about that because I think I messaged you guys in the group and you guys are all really nice in the, in the group chat to enlighten me on these kind of things that I really don't know that much about. Uh, I kind of read between the lines, I think you guys are implying that it does have kind of like a derogatory connotation surrounding it, even though that is kind of like the explicit definition of being mixed, maybe not necessarily half, but just mixed in general. Um, do you have any feelings towards that phrase and do you find it to be used in a derogatory sense? And do you find that there is kind of this emphasis to be not pure, but maybe being mixed is looking looked down upon a little bit? Do you ever feel or find that? And did you find that to be different when you were starting abroad versus in America? And it's kind of like a multi-layered question, but I kind of tack it however you want to. I mean, I think like so. Hyal is like the word for blood, right? And sure. then hon is like mixed, right? Yes. But I would say that like, yeah, Korean people have that like pride in like pure blood. So I think that like it probably has derogatory like, you know, nature to it probably. But at this point, like I, I realize like what we are, we should be proud of it and we should be willing to define it. So like, yeah, like we should be like, yeah, we are half Korean, like one of our parents is Korean and the other one isn't. And so that changes like our ethnicity, that changes who we are. But I think that for sure, like there are a lot of examples in Korea of like half Koreans that definitely experience that sort of, you know, feeling of like being left out or being treated differently. And so like, I think that, you know, that, that sort of thing has to be overcome like over time. But like, I'm hopeful that it will happen. I definitely think that like you or my experience as a kid would have been very different if we were brought up in Korea though. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think for sure that that would be a huge variable in this kind of hypothetical. Um, and I get it. I mean, you were talking about like, it was really cool to learn about Korean history from a Korean professor and to learn more about, you were just saying kind of the country, generally speaking, maybe not specifically the language, even though you did have education in that. And, you know, when I, I had mentioned previously with Kevin and with you, I did have a history major. So I took a lot of Korean history classes just because it intrigued my interest. Um, and when you learn about kind of the generalization of Korea being called like a hermit kingdom and kind of being very prideful um, in their identity in large part to kind of a tumultuous history of a lot of takeovers, um, I totally understand that description of wanting to be prideful in your own identity because of the turmoils that they that they went through um whether it was 500 years ago or 50 years ago it doesn't really matter what time period um and like even learning about um like han was something that was like really really fascinating to me because it's this thing that kind of like at least for what i'm reading up on is something that like is very identifiable for a lot of Koreans that they identify it. It's a commonality, but there's also this element of self-loathing with Han 
where part of their identity is kind of like this inherent sadness is the wrong word, but I think you know what I'm trying to communicate. And so when you've got kind of like a derogatory tone term, well, it might be misplaced. I can kind of understand the thinking behind it. I don't think that's an excuse to use it in a derogatory manner. But I think when you have the context behind that, I could totally understand why there is kind of this emphasis on um, identity and wanting to be able to pure is again the wrong. I, I'm using the wrong words, but pure maybe isn't the best word. But do you, do you know what I'm saying, Michael? Does, does any of that make any sense to you? Well, I think that like another like really good point to make is that like even for example, like the word for an overseas Korean, right? Gyopo. Right, like that. even that can have derogatory like, like nature to it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that like over time, and like just because of what Korea is, I think people in Korea like have this pride of being in Korea and like sure. being from Korea. Sure. And so then, like even like just the Koreans that moved abroad are different from the Koreans that stayed in Korea, because maybe. The Koreans that stayed in Korea are like, I suffered through more of these past 50 years than the people right, that left. Right. So it's just like, you know what I mean? But that Han is still there because like that Han of like the suffering and like all of that, that like painful emotion, like that's still there to them. And it's just yeah, like it can be like almost a part of their identity for sure. That That's really interesting. I I think that is very well said and much better than what, what I was saying. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it is a weird thing. It's like I, I stayed here. I didn't bail out by leaving. I was here through the tough times. And um, that is, I think that's really well said. And um, I don't know if I have a follow-up to that question or to that statement, Michael. I think that's just really well said. And I think, I think the reason why maybe I'm struggling right now to maybe articulate is just because I oftentimes feel like I am not the most um, educated in these matters. So I don't want to be able to, to speak out of turn on some of these things um, because obviously I have limited exposure to this stuff. I didn't grow up in Korea. So when I, when I read about like stuff like Han, it really is just kind of like um, a dictionary term for me to a lesser sense because I didn't have those tangible experiences. And I really only learn about those things when I talk about extended family that I don't see that often um but when i communicate with them i i it makes more sense and i totally understand um and it's interesting because like for example my grandparents are some of the most patriotic americans that i've ever met um and it's not necessarily a rejection of korean identity um it's just kind of this idea of trying to maybe better yourself for, for future generations by coming here. And I think that ties into what you were saying, where it was like people have these terms for people that leave Korea, but they're still Korean, but they leave Korea and maybe it might be well-intentioned for their reasons for leaving. There is kind of like this connotation that comes with the fact that you did leave. Um, and it makes for a very complicated kind of puzzle and, I still continue to kind of think about these things. And that's why I like talking um, to people like you, Michael, where I think we have this commonality of both being half Korean, 
But just even in this last 30, 40 minutes of talking, I think we have vastly different experiences. Um, and I think that's obviously um, a good thing that I can learn about these kind of things, but then still have kind of this common ground that I can kind of fall back on with you. So I, I think it's beneficial to, to have these conversations, even if it might feel like an echo chamber sometimes. I don't think it feels like an echo chamber, but um, I'm rambling, Michael. Come, come save me. What, what am I trying to say? What, what am I doing here? Well, I definitely don't think it's an echo chamber. And I think that, like, it's always good for us to, like, talk to each other because, yeah, there aren't, like, half Koreans are not as ubiquitous as we would seem to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that, like, that's something that, like, I struggled with as a kid where I was, like, around me there aren't people like me. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there are my siblings, there are my cousins, and then that's that. And then I remember, like, once I was in high school and, like, had friends at music school that were half Korean or half Chinese or whatever, I was like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah, so yeah. I think that, like, these conversations that we can have are helpful for us because, like, we don't see enough of us over time. Like, it still fascinates me when I, like, meet a half Korean or, like, when I meet someone that's half Asian because I'm, like... There's just not enough of us. We don't see each other enough. So yeah. I think that like that's what's important. Being able to Yeah, just like bond together because I think we need a little bit more of that. Because yeah, like I I, I definitely like want to create a community around that and like create something that where we can, you know, bond together and talk about this sort of space that we're in because it's a very unique space, right? I definitely agree. And I, I think it's a unique space, but also even within that space, it's also not a monolith where that's the only thing that necessarily defines us. It's something that we find common ground in and can start a conversation with. But when we talk about, like, we didn't even talk about the other side. Like, I am, my dad is half Mexican, so there's a whole other kind of element to this. I'm going to even ask you, what was the other side of your family too, Michael? And I'm sure that also shapes about what and how you identify and you were talking about your cousins. You had mentioned that like some were like Vietnamese, right? And some were Chilean, if I can recall correctly. I'm sure that shapes how they experienced um, their life as being half Korean. And even uh, my cousins, like um, they're half Chinese, half Korean, and they speak fluent Cantonese. So if anything, they identify more with the Chinese side. So, whoa, yes. So specifically for me, it's like, well, I really got to dig if I want to find stuff about korean because my extended family doesn't live in town and then the other half korean cousins i have they probably identify more as chinese than korean so it's interesting complicated um and i think that's why it's fun to have conversations like this um is there anything else you wanted to touch on michael before we head out i i'm kind of straining myself thinking about other things i think as we go forward with this maybe get kevin back on um, I could have more of a game plan about the direction we want to take, but is there any kind of lingering things you wanted to talk about? This obviously won't be the last time that, that we have a conversation, but just for today, is there anything else that you could think of? I'm just like thinking that like, I'm so happy that we have you like, like as part of the fighting strides family, because I think like it's helping you find the Korean things that you wanted to find. I, Yes, it's a therapeutic thing. And I keep saying that over and over again on some of these podcasts. Like, oh, it's therapeutic to talk about these things. Um, and I genuinely mean that because 
it is a late stage thing for me. I did not seek this stuff out before I was 18 um, because I just didn't really know what I was looking for. And um, whether it's the K-dramas that you recommend to me, Michael, I've liked every single one that you have recommended. Um, whether it's the Korean national team and thinking about who's going to be the next diamond in midfield for them at the next World Cup. Um, music, the K-pop is still a little bit of a blind spot for me, but it's also something that I'm exploring. Um, I think I'm Ryan riding the Korean wave just like everybody else, and I think it's really fun. And then you guys have been an awesome outlet for me. So I think that's well said, Michael. So thank you for that. I, I think uh, all I can do is extend some gratitude for that. Ooh, I do have one thing that like I kind of wanted to ask. Please. Was there like a American like pop culture figure that you like gravitated towards as you were growing up? That you saw something like similar to you in in them? A couple come to mind. Can I come at you with two names that just kind of popped into my head as you were saying that, and for opposite reasons? Okay, um, go for it. Yes, one is in a total negative sense. Um, I gravitated towards Jackie Chan, the Chinese actor, because that's what people used to call me. And that was oh. the only Asian, um, that was like the only famous Asian person I saw growing up. And then maybe Yaming, the basketball player. Um, there weren't really, and I think that's why I talked with Kevin about like Park Ji Sung and like somebody who was like actually Korean, who was actually an athlete. Um, that was somebody that like I gravitated to immensely because he was actually Korean. I wasn't misidentifying by being called Jackie Chan. Um, and that was really, really cool. Um, and I don't think this is cheating. I'm one more name. Um, and this is because I got to see him in San Francisco when I was visiting my uncle in like a summer basketball league. And he's not even Korean. Um, Jeremy Lin, the, I got to see him while he was still playing at Harvard in college. And before he had Linsanity and uh, the Knicks, I kind of saw him when he was in college. So I felt kind of attached to him because I saw him before he blew up. And he is not even Korean. Um, but just he was Asian American, though. Uh, he had immigrant parents. And uh, he wasn't an immigrant himself, but he grew up Asian American. Um, and just to find somebody that was Asian American that played basketball, which is a sport that I like to follow, um, just having somebody like that, who isn't, like I said, not Korean, but just somebody that vaguely looked like me, I was like, okay, that is cool. I can gravitate towards that. Um, and I think that was somebody that I really liked. Um, so maybe Jeremy Lin and Park Ji Sung were two guys that I felt like I gravitated towards just because um, I thought they looked like me and they were doing things that I wish I could do. All right. I'm going to give you a couple names. Obviously Please. like I so related to like what you were talking about when you talk about Jeremy Lin, because like I had the same thing. Like I think I heard about him like when he was at Harvard too. And I was like, Oh wow, that's so cool. So cool. Asian American basketball yeah. player. So awesome. Cool. Yeah. And like, I was in college when the insanity happened and like all my friends were like, Whoa, this is crazy. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that was super fun. Um, listeners of the one, two pod know that I'm like a huge golfer. So I was a absolutely like ginormous Tiger Woods fan. Oh, 
and Tiger Woods is half Asian. And I thought that that was just really interesting. And I just, yeah, I was a huge, huge, huge Tiger Woods fan. Like, um, man, this is, this is going to be embarrassing, but I got like, I asked my dad and my mom for like a gift set of like the balls that he used to win at Pebble beach when he won by like a lot of strokes yeah, yeah, and yeah. I like wanted that. So I was a huge Tiger Woods fan. So that's one name I'll throw out there. And Corn then another iconic. one, um, she's a musician, but her name is Kina Gratis and she's half Japanese. And I was just like, wow, she looks a lot like me because like her parents were like, she's half white as well. Yeah. So I went to see her concert, like with, with somebody that she was performing as. I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I think that like those are two names where I was like, okay, these are people that like remind me of me and like have similar experiences. So I gravitated towards them. But the thing that's like really interesting is like neither of them are half Korean. Right. Right. <laughs> like we just didn't have enough people to look at, I feel like. I I, I think you hit the nail on the head. That is the perfect way to put it. Like you kind of just like take what you can get in those situations. And it's just like, well, I don't really care that they're not specifically Korean. Um it's enough just to like look like you, like you said. It's it's enough for them to just vaguely look like you, and that's enough for you to gravitate towards them. Um, I mean, Tiger Woods. I mean, that's a pretty awesome one to to gravitate towards. I mean, I wouldn't describe myself as the golf savant or anything, but um, talk about just a gravitating athlete, not just for Asian Americans, but just kind of the athletic landscape in itself or child prodigies in general. I mean, he fits a lot of different categories. So, I mean, you could talk for hours and hours on him just specifically, but those are good. Yeah, those are good. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. Um, like we, I think we were alluding to, it's kind of slim picking for that kind of stuff, especially growing up, but I think there's more and more exposure now these days. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I can't think of any names. I'll get back to you if I think of anything else, but those, those are good. I feel like that's the thing that like we're sort of struggling for. We're like, what are the names that we could gravitate towards now? Or like, what will our kids gravitate towards? Like, you know what I mean? Like, will they see more people in mainstream, like, you know, Hollywood actors or singers or athletes? Will they see more people that look like them? Right. And like, I hope that that does happen. So this is like a really interesting, like topical thing that happened this week. There were like a couple um, half Korean soccer players that like were in the news this week. And I remember just like thinking to myself, I was like, man, it's going to be really cool when there's a half <laughs> Korean on the national team. That's going to be super cool. I can't wait. Um, what was the kid from Barcelona Park? Uh, what was his first name? Marvin Park. He Marvin. plays for Real Madrid. Marvin. Oh, he and... plays for Real Madrid. Oh, I thought it was Barcelona. I, I'm mistaken. Um, yeah. Did he get his like, debut Whoa. last week? Yeah, and I was like, whoa, like this guy is now playing for Real Madrid and you know his his dad's Nigerian, his mom's Korean. I was like, please let this guy like play for our national team. See, I never even heard of him until last week, and I think that speaks to kind of like the the speed in which this kind of stuff had happened. That would be so cool. That would be so cool. Can you think of any half Korean that's played for the national team? I can't think of any. There is one. Oh man. There definitely is one. We'd have we'll have to look it up and we'll like okay. you yeah, know, yeah. we'll tweet it out when we when we put this out. But there was one. I think that like, you know, he made a couple appearances here and there. I'm not sure if he was like, you know, a starting level type of player, if he was more like depth, but it's just it is definitely something that like I think 
the Korean national team will have to change because I think like Korea itself is changing right now. Like there are a lot of migrant workers coming in a lot of like expats that teach English are settling down there. And you know, who knows one of these kids will actually be like prodigiously talented in football. And like, I would hate to see them like, you know, not be able to represent Korean national team just because, you know, Koreans are like, Oh, well those aren't Koreans. You know what I mean? Like, I would hope that that wouldn't be what happens. Me too. Yeah, I, that, that is a fear. Like, I see that with uh, France a lot too these days where a lot of these naturalized citizens, they don't think of them as actually being French enough. And, um, you know, like you were saying, I think um, the mindset is changing. I can't really speak on any kind of um, authority on it, but I think generally speaking, people are becoming more and more accommodating. I think just because there are just more, like you were saying, I think there are just more half Koreans more now than there used to be. Um, and I don't think that's just saying that because we're both half Korean. I think that generally is a trend. Um, yeah. Get park in the, in the, <laughs> the national team. That would be, that would be so cool. Um, one last name, one last athlete before we go, Michael, I thought of one that is half Korean. Um, have you heard of Heinz Ward? Yes. Yes. That's so true. Heinz Ward is one that I really liked half Korean. Yes. He played football, which is very rare. Um, Oh man, that's yeah, a good yeah. one. So Heinz Ward was cool, and he had this whole cool trip when he won the Super Bowl. We went over to Korea that I thought was really cool, and he dressed in like a hanbok. I was thought that was really cool. Um, Ooh, okay. This actually gives. This actually goes to like one last question that I've been thinking about. Um, did you have a doll when you were one? No, no, I didn't. Oh. Yeah, you should yeah. definitely do that though when when you have kids, Bennett. It's just like such a cool experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then on the opposite side of that, is there significance behind, is it the 70th birthday or the 75th birthday? I know 70 is pretty, something up there is like really significant, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean like 60, 70, 80, like they're all really big milestones, but I think one of them has like a, you know, like a traditional celebration around it. Yeah, yeah. I see celebrities doing the 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 one year celebration all the time. I think it's really cool. But um yeah, yeah. I it was the only reason why I thought about it is because I think my grandma gave my mom a hard time because she didn't make as big a deal over the seventieth or whatever significant birthday <laughs> it was. And my mom was like, I just didn't know that that was a significant thing. And it's funny because my mom will like watch K dramas to learn about a lot of this stuff. She was like, Oh, I watched the K drama and they talked about the seventieth birthday. I get it now. I missed the I missed the boat on that one. Um yeah, yeah. Maybe too early to think, start thinking about kids, Michael, but um, I'll definitely keep that in mind when, when it does happen. Wait, um, so I have a question then, the last yeah, yeah. question. Have you yeah. ever worn the hanbok? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think it was ever emphasized on me. I think if anybody, my sister was was made to wear it. If there was a, if there was um, access to a handbook, it was my sister wearing it. Um, I don't think I, I know my my extended family, my uncle and all my cousins did went to like a traditional um, Korean like photo shoot. They had like um, still frame pictures to have. It's like a family portrait, but we weren't in town for that, so I don't think I ever have. And then when I went to Korea and they had like the handbook rent stations at some of the famous sightseeing areas, I never thought to. Uh, rent a handbook um 
God, am I not Korean then, Michael? I've never worn a hanbok. I don't think no, I have. No, 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 no. It's not that you're not Korean. It's just, um, I you? definitely, I don't, I've done it. So it was really interesting. Um, I think that this like just speaks to, you know, how interestingly good the um, Yonsei experience was. Um, like on one of our first days there as exchange students, they took us to like a couple of things. They took us to a kimchi making class. Of course they did. <laughs> They took us to a kimchi making class. That was super fun. Um, we got our hands dirty and all that. And at that kimchi making class, they had like hanbok trying on station. So I tried it on there. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. They took us to the World Cup Stadium after that. Cool. Um, so we like, got to go in like, the locker rooms and all of that. No um, way. I'll definitely be sending you some pictures. And then um, they took us to like one of those like hanok, mall, like, hanok villages like with the traditional houses. Yeah, I got to do that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, super fun. So, yeah, I think it was it was a good experience. But I remember like before we did our kimchi making class, like we were all in the hanboks like as like exchange students, and we thought it was like super fun. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a favorite out of that day? Then did you did you think the World Cup was probably the World Cup Stadium was probably your favorite bit? I think yeah, for sure. Because I think at that point, like I was really into the national team. Like it was 2011. So it was like right after, two, yeah. That it was a was fun like, team. Yeah, no, it was like right after the 2010 World Cup where we'd done really well. I was yeah. like super excited to go to the stadium. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. remember like, yeah, I thought that that was like super awesome that they paid for a tour for us like on that. I thought that was pretty dope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. God, I gotta get my hands in a handbook now too. I can't believe. Um, now that you asked out loud, I can't believe that. Okay. Um, I think we'll wrap, Michael. Does that sound okay? Yeah, why not? Okay. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time and also the platform. Um, you are the godfather of this, and um, it wouldn't be possible without you. Um, with that, I think we will call wraps on the inaugural episode of the Different Stripes podcast. This is Bennett, and for Michael, we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, see you guys next time. Peace.